is Bloomberg Surveillance. The length of the moving average is irrelevant, but the ratio between the short-term moving average and the long-term moving average is absolutely critical. Japan, from a point of view of an equity investor, is in deep doo-doo. Am I allowed to say that? We had growth in the first quarter of only 5 tenths, and yet the labor market seemed to remain fairly strong. And we're not quite sure how that squares. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Yes, Carol Weinberg, you're allowed to say that. What an interesting interview with Carl Weinberg today, predicting much of the turmoil we see in the markets this morning. Good morning. Markets on the move. Futures negative 13, Dow futures negative 108. Michael McKee and Tom Keene worldwide across the nation. We welcome all of you to Bloomberg Surveillance. Let me get right to an important Forex brief brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best. Retail Forex trading platform. Visit IB at IBKR dot com slash forex uh, an amazing market three hours ago very strong yen three standard deviation move in euro dollar uh, it's come back a little bit euro 115.53 stronger euro stronger yen we had a 105 handle right now 106.02 dxy 92.49 and let me get the intraday Low on that blended dollar uh, index, it was a 91.92 at 4 o'clock this morning. 91.92 on a very weak dollar, but again, we've recovered a little bit. Let, let's leave it at that because the linkage over to the equity markets always um, uh, moved by news flow. Uh, and actually, there was some pretty good company news today. Well, there was. I mean, certainly you can point to Pfizer yeah, as an example. Up 3%, is that about? Yeah, 2.5% okay. at the moment. Uh, the drug maker's first quarter earnings beat analyst's average estimate in the Bloomberg survey. Revenue surpassed projections by the widest margin in more than a decade. And Pfizer raised full-year profit and sales forecasts. Well, that's an example of the good news. Not so good news out of American International Group. AIG stocks down 2%. The insurer posted third straight quarterly net loss. AIG hurt by losses on hedge funds and falling values from other investments. And the chief financial officer, Sid Sankaran, said today, AIG is taking back $4.1 billion from hedge funds. So the exodus continues, you might say. CVS Health up 1%. First quarter profit at the pharmacy owner and drug benefit manager beat estimates. Uh, they benefited from a takeover of the nursing home pharmacy company Omnicare last year. HGA Holdings, though, down 4%. It's all about EBITDA, earnings before interest, EBITDA. taxes, depreciation, and amortization. <clears throat> the hospital owner's first quarter EBITDA was lower than estimates, even though adjusted profit and revenue were higher. And I bring up EBITDA because it also, EBITDA. Apply, it also applies to Sprint. And those shares are up 3%. The mobile phone company's fiscal fourth quarter EBITDA and EBITDA. revenue exceeded projections with the help of cost cuts. Now, returning to the drug industry for a moment, Mylan's up 3%. The drug maker said earnings will rise about 16% this year, even though prices for generic medicines are under pressure. Mylan's first quarter profits surpassed estimates. And Malin cried up 6%. Fiscal second quarter earnings and sales at the drug company beat projections, and Malincrot raised its full-year earnings forecast. Valero Energy down 2.5%. The oil refiner's first quarter profit and revenue trailed estimates, 
EQT, this is a natural gas producer, down one and a half percent. They sold $704 million of stock to, among other things, pay for 62,500 acres in West Virginia that they're buying from Norway Statoil for $407 million. I'm not so sure of the da on EBITDA. I wonder about intangible bad will on a lot of these balance sheets. Well, there is that. You want, you want to know who has goodwill, though? Yelp does. And Yelp I say that because will. it has the goodwill of David Einhorn. The hedge fund manager predicted <clears throat> that the Consumer Review website's revenue may double by 2019. said that in his quarterly letter to the folks at Greenlight Very Capital. Uh, <clears throat> and Yelp's up 5.5%. Providing EBITDA through the day when David Wilson. Thank God, Michael McKee, in our American politics, there's no discussion of EBITDA. Well, if there were, it would probably come across as an epithet. Um, and Donald Trump might call somebody an EBITDA or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Greg Vai is with Horizon Investments. He's their chief uh, global strategist on politics. And it is going to be, I mean, I, I don't think there's any way around it, Greg. This is going to be one of the ugliest campaigns we have seen since the 1800s when they were f- traditionally, you know, really, really ugly. You got Donald Trump out this morning repeating a national inquirer story as if it were true that. Ted Cruz's father worked with Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, Lord, I haven't seen that yet, but I agree with your premise. I think it's going to be an extraordinary, ugly campaign. Little-known factoid, yesterday Donald Trump had lunch with Edward Klein, yes. who, has, who has written these books about you know, Bill's sexual adventures. Uh, he contends that Hillary has serious health problems, on and on and on. Most of what Klein has written has been you know, thoroughly discredited, but I think Trump probably believes this stuff, and Trump will use it. And the question becomes then, can Hillary Clinton fight back in a way that the Republicans who ran against the Donald were unable to? Well, he counterpunches so well that you have to think that she could be in some trouble. And if if she tries to play the woman card aggressively, and I think she will, uh, he is going to say, I guarantee you guys, he's going to say not only did Hillary look the other way when Bill had all these affairs, but Hillary enabled Bill. That's going to be right. a tough one. How will independent voters, which I assume are a lot larger group than they were 20, 30 years ago, how, the, how will they react to the redux of the alien sedition uh, election of 1802 or whatever it was. This is going to be ugly, right? Oh, absolutely. So how will will independent voters react to the presumed Velier ugliness? Well, it all boils down to one thing. Whoever has the highest negatives will lose. So Trump is probably 65, maybe even a little higher than 65. She's 55. If he can bring her negatives into the low 60s and lower his negatives a little, if their negatives are relatively equal, he has a chance. Well, the interesting question is going to be how he does that in the sense that there isn't a whole lot about Hillary Clinton that hasn't already been said. She's been in American mm-hmm. politics and the American consciousness for so many years. Uh, it's it certainly he will say anything, whether it's true or not. But will the American people actually, you know, think less of her than they already do? And I don't mean that pejoratively, but uh, given yeah. given that they already know what they know. Well, I, I would point to the 
Trump nicknames, uh, Low Energy Jeb, Lion Ted, uh, Little Marco. I mean, those nicknames have been devastating. Now he's got Crooked Hillary, and that may be as well. You know, one other thing i got to throw out, guys. It, it strikes me with the economy still looking mediocre. I think it's getting better, but I'm not positive. With the economy still looking mediocre, it is striking that she does not have a, an agenda, a prescription to jumpstart the economy. That's going to be a problem for her. But she can do that later. What do they do after Indiana, after California? What is your reading, Greg, of the history of what front runners do while they wait and wait and wait for their grand entrance? Well, usually they pivot to the center. Trump will have that luxury now. Unfortunately for her, she still has to deal with Bernie Sanders. And Sanders is really aggravating her campaign and many Democrats. Yeah. In Washington, he won't go away. So it's not going to be quite as easy for her to adroitly pivot to the yeah. center until until he's gone. Where did the grace of exiting stage right gracefully go? I mean, yeah, this is question. not like I remember. I think that he, like so many candidates, lives in an echo chamber, an adoring echo chamber, and he doesn't want to leave. He wants to go to the convention and influence the platform, and that's a real problem for her. Let me go back to, quickly, just a minute left here, what Tom yep. just said about uh, the independents. Uh, obviously, people see the headlines about the nasty thing Donald Trump said this day or that day, but are they paying attention, the average independent, non-involved voter at this point, to what's going on in the campaign? No, they're not, but an awful lot of these people want to blow up the system, and the big wild card is, would that include some of Bernie Sanders' young people? Would some of them, as strange as it might sound, actually vote for Trump? When does it get serious? When do, when do people start caring? At tomorrow morning. I think tomorrow morning it will be clear who the two nominees will be. They're going to start going at each other right away. Greg, just a great primer. Thank you so much. What we'll try to do, folks, is avoid the hysteria. Mr. Vallier is from the state of New Hampshire and tries to speak in measured tones. Michael Barr is the guy, guy that has to, you know, censor all these news stories so this can remain a family program. Can you, you imagine, you know, you got to censor the politicians? So well, Michael, you, you've never hear. seen an election like this, have you? I have um, never seen anything like this in my life, and I, 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 I just I look at it, and I've been covering these things since 84, and I'm like, yeah. my goodness. I mean, you have to see it, folks, early in the morning as Michael Barr synthesizes all the news flow that comes in and and tries to gracefully put out the news in what we hope is non-hysteria. It's difficult, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's something where, you know, my kid is asking me what is somebody saying on the on the trail, and I can't repeat what they're exactly. saying. Exactly. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as well. Michael Barr with the news here in a bit. Futures, negative 13. Down futures, negative 108. Let's check in with Mr. Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. A U.S. military official says a U.S. serviceman was killed in Iraq when militants from the Islamic State group attacked penetrating Kurdish forces. A Pentagon spokesman says the serviceman was killed near Mosul, Iraq's second largest city. It has been in the hands of Islamic State militants since they took portions of northern and western Iraq in the summer of 2014. Ted Cruz and Bernie Sanders are hoping to make a huge comeback and gain some ground on Republican Donald Trump and Democrat Hillary Clinton. Republican Cruz has spent the past week camped out in Indiana, the site of today's primary. 
Democrat Sanders has conceded that he faces a difficult path to overtake Clinton. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael Barr, thanks so much. A better tape right now, negative 15 on futures earlier, right now negative 12. Dow futures negative 106. The Euro 116 handle earlier, huge move. Still strong, though, 115.61 on the euro. Michael McKeon, Tom Keen, Coast to Coast, Bloomberg Surveillance. Market Drivers brought to you by American Psycho, the musical. The Huffington Post says American Psycho is not the traditional Broadway musical. It's something different, beautiful, and terrifying. For tickets, visit telecharge.com. Them when this is nailed to the church the very day they hang for science. How does the finance come together to make the crucible happen for the umpteenth time, and yet it's always, in every case, a success? This this version of the crucible, along with this version of A View from the Bridge, I think came together because it was a visionary director who really has, has reimagined yeah. these particular pieces in a way that is very exciting. I mean, look, I think that... A lot of times revivals will happen because there's a star interested and the star will drive the box office. Okay. But this isn't, these were not particularly starry, you know, sort of Pacino level stars mm-hmm. um, that drove these productions. All right, we're going back to uh, the Tony Awards. Nikki James and Andrew Reynolds with addition, additional nominees. Yeah. Okay, well, we were we were misinformed. Okay, well, we're not we're getting a Tony technical for that. challenges there. Well, could you, what did you see? You were writing feverishly. You looked like me and McKee looking at <laughs> NHL hockey. And I only what, brought a sharpie. What <laughs> name? What name? But it's an it's 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 an Actors Equity Association sharpie. What do you see on that sheet? Who's not there? What was you know within the gossip of the business? Well, I think that the thing that will jump out to most people is the lack of um, Audrey McDonald, who is the who would have been nominated, who's eligible in the leading actress in a musical category for Shuffle Along, she's won six times. I mean, she's a fantastic actor. And it was just, it was an incredibly competitive year. I mean, people have been just raving about Carmen Cusack. Um, Cynthia Erivo, I think, is probably the front runner for Color Purple. Jesse Mueller is always good. Laura Benanti is always good. And Philippa Sue is the leading actress in Hamilton. And, mm-hmm. you know, Hamilton also, I think, benefits from what I would say is as close to perfect a cast album as you will ever hear. They really spent money on producing it. And a lot of the voters who live outside New York don't get to see every show. Exactly. This is so important. Is it Mike, jump in, please. Well, I just was noting when you were reading off names there, there is a real difference between the Tonys and the Oscars. I mean, the hashtag for the Oscars was Oscar so white. You could say Tonys so diverse. Yes. Hashtag. Yes. I mean, it's been an incredibly diverse season. And the thing is, I wrote a guest column for Variety about diversity a few weeks ago. And the thing about diversity, the next mountain that the industry has to climb, is casting actors of color in shows that wouldn't have originally featured actors of color. Hamilton, a good example, if you were writing about Alexander Hamilton and the Founding Fathers. Sure, sure. But I'm also thinking about shows like My Fair Lady or Oklahoma. You know, everybody knows that an audience comes to watch people pretend to be other people. And there's no reason that so many of them just traditionally have to be Caucasian. 
we would be pleased if you would come back sometime when there aren't nominations. I would love it's, that. It's very okay. interesting. I would like to talk, frankly, more about Audra McDonald. I think <laughs> that, you know what? is just extraordinary. Audra is going to be fine, but yeah. she is one of the best actors I've ever seen in, Tom, in my life. Tom's going back to and the one, olden days. No, but one of the last – she worked with Mike Nichols, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, very interesting. Thank you so much. Kate Schindel is with the Actors' Equity Association. Uh, the idea here of the Tony nominations, which uh, all it just always translates into other work later on down the road uh, within the creative arts for America. Again, the Tony Award uh, nominations, and Carol Master and Corey Johnson will have much more on that um, through uh, the day. Let me do a data check now, and then we're going to switch to the politics, the acting of the moment oh, in Indiana. Yeah. Futures negative 13. We've had some stability here. After the shock and awe of the Australian uh, central bank, futures negative 13, Dow futures negative 112, yields in a solid seven basis points. A real idea of a shift here um, this morning that you see within foreign exchange with the euro 115.55 was much stronger earlier. Same with the, the yen as well. Mike, the research piece yesterday that shocked me, was the intensity of Greg Vallier's piece where he says, look, it's flat out the Senate's at risk. Why don't you pick it up there? Well, the uh, Republican Party is probably, after tonight, going to have to deal with the fact that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. If the polls are correct, and that's always a big if, uh, he's going to win the majority, if not all, the delegates coming out of Indiana, which pretty much doesn't quite mathematically do it, but puts him so close it would be hard for anyone to stop him. And uh, the one thing we do know is that uh, Donald Trump has extraordinarily high negatives, and that can affect races down the ballot. Greg? Absolutely. Uh, I think there are an awful lot of... uh Republican moderates in the North, people like Kelly Ayotte or Toomey in Pennsylvania or Rob Portman in Ohio, who have to be really worried that they're going to go down to defeat with Donald Trump at the top of the ticket. And yet your note today suggests that we should take Trump seriously, that he has a chance to win. I really think he does. I mean, it's not 50 percent. But it ain't zero. I mean, I do think maybe a one in three chance. I mean, a lot of things have to break the right way. I think that, you know, he needs Hillary's email scandal to stay prominent. Uh, he needs to see the economy continue like we saw in the first quarter, very sluggish. And frankly, sadly, I think probably more terrorism, which you can't rule out, would benefit him. Every time we've seen an incident like San Bernardino or Paris or Brussels, his numbers go up. I, I, I take your point, Greg. I think it's a very valid point about this if, 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 if this. One of the ifs is he's got to find a vice president to run with him. Yep. A wise one, help me here. I mean, Speaker Gingrich's name has popped up, but is there any wisdom here on how this guy finds a legitimate vice president candidate a heartbeat away? Well, a lot of people, I think, will say no, but there is a perfect pick who would fit all three of Trump's big needs. Number one, he'd be the oldest president ever, so he needs somebody younger. Number two, he has to mend fences with Hispanics. Number three, he's got to get someone who understands geopolitics. Marco Rubio fills all three. And even though Rubio called him a con man two months ago, in the last week or two, Rubio has said some fairly positive things. I think Rubio would be a brilliant pick. 
This is, huh. you know, it, what's great, Mike, if you and I said that, we'd burst out laughing. Greg says it with a completely straight <laughs> analysis. Greg, you are so jaded and jaundiced. The, uh, it's almost 19th century. It, 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 it could happen. And, you know, guys, I've been joking. I would take the job. Anyone would take the job because Trump has said his favorite foods are cheeseburgers, french fries, steaks. He doesn't go to the gym. I'd take the job for actuarial reasons. <laughs> well, there would be a lot of people hoping that might be the case if you were the vice president. But uh, the problem for anybody who is considering the job is if Trump were to go down to what at the moment looks like an historic defeat and goes down as a racist, as a misogynist, um, the, the, all the positions that he has taken, haven't you just toasted your political career? Well, let's say you do, you do well, and whoever is running mate is does well in the debates. Uh, you know, then I think in 2020, when you know Paul Ryan's running, you know Rubio's running. I think whoever acquits himself or herself well as a running mate uh, gets onto the short list as a serious candidate in 2020. How much w- would they be tarred by the Trump reputation? Well, well, we'll see. I mean, Trump obviously has extraordinary negatives, you know, but as I wrote in my piece today, so does Hillary. I mean, she's in the mid-50s. Trump is, I think the Zika virus is more popular than uh, Trump with women. But, you know, if, if Trump's negatives come down a bit to closely her level, you know, then we might have a horse race. I, I think everyone who is saying that Trump would lose in an historic landslide is being premature. I think it's too early to rule out somebody who's energized so many really angry voters. Well, he's going to have a, a big uphill climb when you just look at the electoral map. When you look at the map yes. of, of, of the states that have historically voted Democrat, voted Democrat in like the last six elections. If Hillary held those, she'd only need to pick up something like 27 electoral votes somewhere else. She could win the state of Florida and win the election, whereas Trump starts with like something like 163 electoral vote uh, shortage. You make a great point, and that's why she is the favorite. Uh, Maybe not the shoe-in, but she's the favorite. And for all of the listeners who follow this like I do, just Google uh, the electoral college lock, and you 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 look at numbers that you just mentioned, Mike. I mean, any Democrat starts with about 240, and you only need 270. So that that is an enormous obstacle unless Trump can break the pattern, unless he can win Michigan, New York, New Jersey. I don't think he can, but he'd have to to win the general election. What outcome does the establishment want today? I mean, the polls are the polls, and let's assume they're accurate, et cetera, et cetera. What outcome does a stunned Republican establishment want? Well, I'd say, Tom, there's only three scenarios. Narrow Clinton win, blowout landslide for Hillary, narrow Trump win. The latter two I don't think the markets would like because a blowout win for her means not only does the Senate flip, but the House could flip, too. And you yeah. really think the House of Representatives of gerrymandered America would flip? <laughs> well, if it's if the final score is uh, 62 to 38, yeah. Wow. I think that if, if Hillary won in a landslide that big, right. uh, you, you, you could see. So for the markets, going to your question, Tom, it's going to be Chuck well, Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton. That's not a great scenario. A Trump um, victory uh, scenario, that second scenario, means 
trade war with China, fight with Janet Yellen, on and on and on. So the yeah. one scenario the markets would live with would be a modest Hillary win that keeps the House okay. in, in the control of Republicans. We are going to continue this discussion. It is a perfect day to continue on our economic politics with Greg Vellier. Another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance.